If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, hold your hand up real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of these. Hold your hand up real high. And turn with me to a couple of openings. Second Peter, the third chapter, and Second Timothy, the second chapter. In Second Peter, the third chapter, Second Peter 3 and 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. How many would believe the Lord's not slack about anything? As some men count slackness. But he's long suffering to usward, as with so many things. People think they're waiting on him, and he's actually waiting on them. He's not willing that any should perish. Now this contradicts a lot of preaching and teaching that goes on in churches. How many is it God's will to perish? None. Not any. How many would th- understand that means not a one? Not any. And yet there's a lot of folks that are trying to say people are perishing. They're perishing with disease in their body. They're perishing with mental anguish and fear and anxiety and they're they're perishing because of lack in their finances and and the list goes on and there's a lot of folks will tell you well that must be the will of God some way he's working something out in their life he's teaching them don't you believe it I said don't believe it it's not his will that any should perish or be destroyed or be consumed in any area he's a good God He's the God of victory. But what is there an alternative to perishing? What is there? What is it? He's not willing that any should perish, but what? There's an alternative to perishing. What is it? That all should come to repentance. So some weeks back we began a series we're calling The Way Out. And that way out is repentance. And we've been on it. And uh, beware of thinking you're enlightened. And we don't need repentance anymore. (laughs) No, that's not enlightenment. That's deception and confusion. And don't look at repentance as a negative thing. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. It's a gift of his grace to come out of things that you otherwise could not get out of by yourself. It's the way out and it's the way back. If you've gotten away from him, it's how you get back to him. It's the way you get back to full fellowship. Restoration, glory to God, is by what? Repentance. Repentance. Go to 2 Timothy, the second chapter, please. 2 Timothy and 2. 24. 2 Timothy 2, 24 says, The servant of the Lord must not strive. Tell your neighbor, help him out this morning. Look at him and say, Be cool. Be cool. Be cool. What are we talking about? Don't stay all worked up. Don't get and stay embroiled in striving and wrestling. How many understand you're not cool when you're all stirred up and twisted up and upset and angry and hurt and offended and everything else? That's not cool. The servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle. That means you got some peace about you. Unto all men apt to teach patient keep going verse 25 in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves Uh, this is so important I don't care how much you see or how clear you are don't come across to people haughty and know it all a lot of times instead of saying what you need to do is this well anybody would know that don't you see that Folks don't respond very well to that. (laughs) Gentle and in meekness. You know, I found a lot of times 
in a tense, uncomfortable situation, instead of trying to tell somebody something, there have been times the Lord led me to ask them a question. Well, what about this? Have you thought about this? Well, let me tell you something that's helped me. Now we're not talking about you. We're talking about me. Right? All of those are just different ways of coming across with some humility instead of pride. And that you care about people instead of acting like you just think you know more than they do. Better somehow. In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them what? Repentance. Repentance. See, what we were talking about earlier, repentance is a gift. If God would give them Peradventure, we might say perhaps, if God perhaps would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, what will the truth do for you? It'll make you free. People who need to repent are folks that have been ignoring the truth. Verse 26, that they may what? Recover themselves. Now this is not somebody setting you free. This is not somebody doing something for you, praying for you, delivering you. If you'll repent, you don't have to have anybody do anything for you. You'll be free. And you can get out of it yourself with God's help. They may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So repentance is a gift from God. And it is the way out of the bondage. Can you see this, friends? And it is the way back to fellowship that had been broken and restoration. There's nothing more miserable than broken fellowship, whether it's with God or with another person. But thank God there is restoration. There's forgiveness. There's cleansing. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. They tell you, ah, it's too late, can't be fixed. With God... All things are possible. Amen. Somebody ought to say that out loud. With God, With God all, things are possible. all things are possible. Nothing's too difficult, Nothing's too difficult. For, him. for Him. Glory to God. You believe that, don't you? Now, uh, turn with me, please, to 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, and the first verse. And I'm going to read the complete English version. It says, when Christ Jesus comes as king, he will be the judge of everyone, whether they are living or dead. So with God and Christ as witnesses, I command you to preach God's message. Do it willingly, even if it isn't the popular thing to do. Why would he say that? Because <laughs> there's going to be some times and parts of it that a lot of folk don't want to hear. And that's what he goes on to say. You must correct people and point out their sins. Really? But also cheer them up. <laughs> and when you instruct them, always be patient. Again, that's that not being haughty and arrogant. Because we're all in the same boat. We all got flesh. Right? Verse 3. The time is coming. The Spirit of God said this through him all these years ago. The time is coming when people won't listen to good teaching. (laughs) Really? (laughs) They won't listen to good teaching. Instead, they will look for teachers... Who will please them by telling them only what they are itching to hear. They will seek out people who will tailor what they're teaching to what they perceive the people like to hear. And if they think it might cost them some crowd or finances, they won't preach that. I know years ago I read that in the King James. I wrote in the margin of my Bible, teacher, teacher, scratch my ear, tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> well, do you want somebody to tickle your ear, scratch your ear, or do you want the truth? Well, the truth can be sobering. 
Hmm? But it's good. And in the end, it'll make you free. <laughs> Y'all are already wondering where we're going with this. Huh? Well, hold on. Verse 4. They will turn from the truth and eagerly listen to senseless stories. Now, you would think that everybody wants to hear the truth, but it's just not so. There's a lot of people who don't care about the truth. Now, if you haven't understood that, think about that. Meditate on it now. I'm telling you. You might think, well, everybody wants to know the truth. No, they don't. And there's a whole lot of folks, they don't care about what's right or wrong. They only care about what they want. They don't care if it's right or wrong. And there's a lot of folks don't care if it's true or not. They just want to hear what they want to hear. They want to do what they want to do. They'll turn from the truth and eagerly listen to senseless stories. It's like entertainment. It's like a movie that's not true. And we're the entertainment generation. We've fed on fiction our whole life. (laughs) Think about that one. But you must stay calm and be willing to suffer. (laughs) You're going to get persecuted. And you must work hard to tell the good news and do your job well. That's why you need to pray for your preachers. They need to be troopers and do what, you know, what they're assigned to do. I've had people say, well, why don't you preach on this or why don't you preach on that? I've told a few folks, I don't preach on what I want to preach on. Why would I preach on what you want me to preach on? There is a big boss. I know that's not real to a lot of people, but there is a big boss. And the first thing I do when I start thinking about the Sunday morning message or the Friday or I'm out on the road, I don't just say, hmm, what do I want to talk about? (laughs) Never, never. I ask the Lord and I seek him. And sometimes you don't get it immediately and and, and you don't have it till he gives it to you. And it's always a relief when he does. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Because you don't have it. I mean, I could get up and say something and do something, but it would be empty and it'd be dead and flat and it wouldn't help anybody. But if it's from him, it's a living word and it's more than a man. Glory to God. You excited about it? Go with me over to the book of Jude. Just one chapter in Jude. Thank you, Lord. He's already helping us in this. Thank you, Lord. In the book of Jude. Jude. And let's see about verse 3. He said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write to you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered Unto the saints. He said you need to contend and fight for the original faith. And that would be faith in the original message. Why? Because the enemy seeks to change it. And dilute it. And alter it. For there are certain men crept in unawares. Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men. Turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness or looseness, unrestraint, uh, being unbridled, and uh, denying the only Lord and our only God and our Lord Jesus Christ. The ink was still wet on Paul's writings about grace and faith. And people were already twisting the message and using grace as an excuse for looseness and saying, well, we're under grace, so basically nothing's required of us. And no matter what we do, everything's done for us and taken care of for us. It's a perversion of the message of grace. We do have a part that we're responsible for. And here I need to make a statement. We've made it before, but think about it. 
We are not saved by grace alone. If you've been with us previously, you know why we say that. Because that's what the scriptures say. How are we saved? By grace through faith. If we're saved by grace alone, then nobody will be lost. If we're saved by grace alone, having nothing to do with us, did God love the whole world and send Jesus to bear the sins of the whole world? Has he done it? His grace covers every generation. Everybody that has ever lived, everybody that ever will live. And if that's the only component to our being saved, then everybody that has ever existed will be saved. Because Jesus took and bore their sins. And uh, every blasphemer, every person that hated God is saved. Because he bore their sins too. So the question comes... Will there be people who are lost? And why would they be lost? Wouldn't be because the Lord didn't make the provision for them to be saved. But what would be the lacking component? They wouldn't repent. And they wouldn't believe. And if we we are justified by our faith. Now that statement just referred to half a dozen scriptures in the New Testament. How many know the scripture tells us we're justified by faith? We're made just, made righteous by our faith. Well, that means by your believing. Well, what if your believing changes? What if you no longer believe? Are you still justified anyway? The answer is no. If you're justified by your faith, if your faith changes, your justification changes. Now, I know that's a huge statement, but don't just blow it away. The Bible said, whatever's not of faith is sin. It's a violation. It's a transgression of light. Now, keep reading. He He immediately goes on to talk about once saved, always saved. (laughs) When he refers to the perversion of grace, people that have turned the grace, they've twisted it into an excuse for looseness, loose living. And some get to the place where they deny the Lord. Verse 5. I'll put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that what? Believe not. not. Is it possible, having been saved, to later be lost? That's the whole theme of this little book. He goes on to say, In verse 6, the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of that great day. They were holy angels. They were in the presence of God. But now they're awaiting judgment. Verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them. In like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. They just abandoned themselves to any desire, anything. You talk about wild living. Sodom and Gomorrah wrote the book (laughs) on wild living. And so they were made an example of the repercussions of it. And they're wiped off the face of the earth. They were totally destroyed, weren't they? They're an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Everybody say eternal fire. fire. Now, you see why I said this is a sober subject. Go with me to uh, Luke, please. The 13th chapter. Luke 13. In Luke 13 and about verse 23... 
Luke 13, 23, one came to the master, to Jesus, and asked him a question. And uh, if you've been reading with us in our chapters, you've read in finishing up John, where it said that the Lord said and did so many things that if they were all written down, the world itself wouldn't hold the books. So most of what the Lord said and did, we don't have. But the things we do have were handpicked by the Holy Spirit because they apply to every person in every generation. Do you believe that? And so this was selected for us. And you know, when you hear people debating about unanswered questions again and again, it's not that it's unanswered. They're just ignorant of the word. It's there. He said, Lord, are there few that be saved? What's another way of saying this? Will everybody be saved? Will most people be saved? Will just a few be saved? And so Jesus answered him. Do we need to know the answer to this question? There are billions of people on the planet right now. Millions upon millions that have lived before us. If the Lord tarries is coming, possibly billions to live after us. That's a lot of people. Billions. How many of those billions of human beings that were born and lived will be saved? This man's asking, will there be few? Will it be a small number of the total? Verse 24. Jesus said, this is his answer to this man's question. Strive. To enter in at the straight gate. He's talking about make earnest effort. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Many's not going to get in. 25. When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door. How many know there's coming a time when this time of opportunity is going to be no more? You begin to stand without and to knock at the door and say, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he'll answer and say to you, I know not whence you are. Keep going. And then you'll begin to say, we've eaten and drunk in your presence. You've taught in our streets. He said, there's going to be some people that were here when I preached. They were here when things happened. That's not going to be in. Verse 27. And he'll say, I tell you. I know you not whence you are. I don't know you. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Verse 28. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. Matthew 7 says it like this. Matthew 7, 13. Enter in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life and few there be that find it. There are millions of us believers, but there's billions on the planet. Will everybody be saved? Obviously not. And what will the end be of those who are not? He talks about a place of torment, doesn't he? This is the thing that's not popular, isn't it? This is the thing that a lot of folks don't want to hear and don't want to believe. But we want to know the truth, don't we? We want to know the truth. He said in Matthew 7, 23, he said that he would say, I profess to them, I never knew you, depart from me. Mark 9, 46, he talked about the place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Matthew 13, uh, 42, says at the end of the world, the age, they'll be cast into a furnace of fire where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. Go to Matthew 25, please. Matthew 25. Now there's uh, 
There's a lot of people that don't believe this. And whether some see it or not, I perceive there's a move even among more traditional churches away from these truths and an altering and a changing to make things symbolic, figurative, or to have some kind of an ultimate resolution where everybody's saved. And I hope that in the end that we find out that there were more saved than we thought there would be. And I wouldn't be the least surprised because God is so merciful and so kind. But to stand up and say that there is no hell and that there's no danger of people dying and being lost and going there is to blatantly ignore and disregard the words of the Master. If we're Christians, we should believe what the Christ said and not change it and not alter it. And the solution to what we're talking about is the subject we've been on. Huh? It's not like people have to go to this awful place. It's not his will that what? Any should perish. Well, is there an alternative to perishing? What is it? Repentance. Somebody say, thank God for repentance. It's a gift. It's a gift of the grace of God. It's the way out. The way out of hell. The way out of destruction. Thank God for repentance. In Matthew 25, 41, I want you to notice this. There, and I, I'm not going to delve into all the theological stuff, but I am simultaneously dealing with a number of doctrines. If you don't know about them, don't find out about them. <laughs> just bog you up. <laughs> Jesus said to those, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire prepared for evil people? No. No. Wasn't prepared for people. Wasn't prepared for human beings. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. Skip on down to verse 46 for time's sake. These shall go away into what? Everlasting punishment. He just got through describing it. But the righteous into life eternal. Say those two things out loud. Everlasting punishment. Life eternal. Now the word everlasting and the word eternal are the exact same word in the Greek. And the same word that's translated some 40 times in the New Testament, eternal life, is the exact same word that's translated eternal destruction, eternal damnation. So whatever, ever how long we're going to enjoy eternal life is the same how long folks are going to be in this punishment. Now, I know a lot of people don't like to hear that. They don't want to believe that. But are you going to change the scriptures? Are you going to take words out? You're going to make it mean? See, here's where some of this itching ear stuff come in, doesn't it? People say, well, I don't like hearing that. Well, then if you don't like it enough, you'll go find somebody that'll tell you what you want to hear. And you and they can both be deceived. And you can find out later (laughs) that it was true. And that you comforted people in their unbelief who are now lost. You told people that they were okay when they're not okay. While they still had an opportunity to get it right. You told them it didn't matter. Consoled them in their destruction. How many of somebody's blaring a hundred miles an hour about to go off the edge of a cliff? We need to get loud. Is that right? We need to make it plain. The Bible said in 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter, 2 Thessalonians 1 and 4, 
It said, we glory, we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God. Verse 5, what's happening, he was saying, with their persecutions and tribulations is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Verse 6, it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Is this New Testament? Is it the truth? Is it going to happen? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Go with me to the book of Revelation, the 20th chapter. Revelation 20 and 10. The Lord showed John the end. He showed him what was going to happen from where he was until everything was finished. That's the book of Revelation. And in the 20th chapter, the 10th verse He tells about the time when the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Keep going. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. He is awesome. We really have little idea. Come on, think about it. Did he really create the heavens and the earth? That means he's much bigger and greater than it. He's much vaster than the Pacific Ocean. He's much bigger and more powerful than all the collected stars in the universe. He made them. How big is he? How powerful is he? And he is your father. You know somebody. (laughs) There's coming a time when he's going to sit on the throne for judgment. And it's going to be awesome and so dreadful that the earth and heaven is going to flee away from his face. Verse 12, I saw the dead, small and great. People that folks never knew, people that were famous, all of them, stand before God and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. This is a book you ought to be very interested in. (laughs) The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. Keep going. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. This is the place Jesus was talking about. That there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. The worm does not die and the fire is never put out. This is an awful place. Isn't it? Is it real? Is it true? Well, if you believe the Bible, you have to believe that it's real. Verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in to the lake of fire. What about those who were found written in the book of life? (laughs) The second death never touches them. Do you read the same book of Revelation? It says God is actually going to make his home with this group. <laughs> and they'll never hurt or have any pain or have any sorrow or any sadness forever and ever and ever. 
You believe this or not? Then it is all important that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. What determines the names that are in that book? It is those who have believed on him. Hallelujah. And received him. And confessed him. And held to him. Glory to God. And have overcome. Glory to God. Washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Am I talking to any such people in here today? Overcomers. (laughs) Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go to John the... uh, Well, for time's sake, let me just read. Well, now go to John 3. You can read this one. John 3 and verse 2. What determines who's saved? This man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Everybody say it out loud. You must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. It's the only way. There is no other way. It is the only way. Skip down to the 18th verse. The 18th verse, it says, He that believes on him is not condemned. What about the ones that don't? He that believes not is condemned already. Because they're such bad sinners. What's the reason why they're condemned? Because they have not believed. In the name of the only begotten Son of God. That is why. Nobody will be in hell. Because they were a liar. Or a murderer. Or an adulterer. Because all those sins. Have been laid on Jesus. And forgiveness is available. And cleansing is available. It will only be because. People refused to. Believe in him. Refused to accept. Mark 16, 15, 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation, the NIV says. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe, what will happen with them? Not the same thing. They'll be condemned. John 8, 24, John 8, 24, Jesus said, I said to you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am, I'm the one. You shall die in your sins. Is it serious to die in your sins? John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. People say, well, you know, there are many ways to God. And we all have our own approaches to God. Uh Uh-uh. There's only one. People say, well, you're just narrow-minded. And saved. You can be broad minded. Didn't know what Jesus said? There is a broad way. That many try to make right. And come up with their own concoctions and ideas. About God and about the future and eternity. And judgment. And you can hear anything you want to hear. I mean the doctrines vary. Doesn't make them true. Does it? What did Jesus say? No man. Wonder how many people that's talking about. No man can come to the Father but by me. That's what he's saying. Uh, In John 10 earlier, he said, I am the door. I am the way. The only way. Nobody gets in. Is it true or not? No exceptions. 
I don't care who you are, who your people are, your nationality, your background, no exceptions. He's the way, the truth. Now people demand that we respect their other religions that are taking people to hell. Lies? No. No. There's only one. 1 John 5, verse 10. He that believes on the Son of God has the witness in himself. He that believes not God has made him a liar because he believed not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) Verse 12. To me, this sums it up. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God has not life. Is it that simple? It is. It is. I want to uh, read to you something that my father in the faith said he got straight from the head of the church about what we're talking about today. And because I believe it to be so significant, I want to read it verbatim in one of his books. My father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, Sr., who's in heaven now, tells of having uh, visions, more than one, from the head of the church. Now, something like this, again, you either believe it or you don't. And you're not supposed to accept anybody's vision that contradicts any part of the word. And one of the reasons I do believe it is because it's full of the word, these visions. But examine it for yourself. But he tells in 1952, I believe it was, that he was having a meeting. And after the service, he came back to the uh, parsonage with the pastor. And he and they were having a sandwich. And before they went to bed. And uh, he says sometimes, he said, I no more expected what happened next to happen than to be the next man set foot on the moon. Didn't expect it at all. But he said they knelt down to pray. And he said when they knelt down, when he knelt down, he knelt down in a white cloud. And he was in the spirit. And he saw the master. Somebody say glory to God. He said the master was there. He said I saw Jesus. He seemed to be standing above me. About as high as the ceiling is from the floor. He began to talk to me. He said I'm going to teach you concerning the devil. Demons and demon possession. He said from this night forward what's known in my word is the gift of discerning of spirits will operate in your life when you're in the Spirit. Well, that's what's happening right then. He's not seeing in the natural. Is the Spirit realm real? Well, God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Angels are spirit. The devil and wrong spirits. All spirits. We're a spirit. We're just housed in this flesh body right now. But we're spirits. And I won't read all of it, but... uh, He tells about a specific thing. He said, uh, now I'm going to show you how evil spirits get a hold of people when they're allowed to. Did you hear that phrase? The Lord said to me, suddenly in the vision, he said, I saw a woman. I immediately recognized her as being the former wife of a minister. I had been introduced to her and her husband on one occasion. Other than that, I didn't know either of them and had no communication with either of them in any way. I only knew he had heard that she had left her husband. She's a a pastor's wife. And he said, the Lord said to me, this woman was a child of mine. The Lord said, she was in the ministry with her husband. She was filled with the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit were operating in her. One day an evil spirit came to her and whispered in her ear, You're a beautiful woman. You could have had fame 
and popularity and wealth. But you've been cheated in life by following the Christian walk. Now, friend, this is tremendous insight into how the devil works. And you don't wait till you see something in a red suit with a pitchfork. These thoughts and these feelings came to her. And I don't know if she realized it at first, but this is a wrong spirit endeavoring to influence her. And he said the woman realized that this was an evil spirit. Well, she did. And she said, get behind me, Satan. And the spirit left her for a period. By and by, the same evil spirit returned. He sat on her shoulder and whispered in her ear, you're a beautiful woman, but you've been robbed by taking this lowly walk of Christianity and living a separated life. Are you listening to how the enemy operates? Because he does the same thing with everybody that he can. What's he saying? You've been robbed. You deserve more. You deserve better. You should have more. Again, she recognized this as Satan. And she said, Satan, I resist you in the name of Jesus. And he left her for a while. But he came back again. And sat on her shoulder, whispering the same things in her ear. This time, she began to entertain the thoughts, for she liked to think she was beautiful. And as she began to think along the lines, the devil suggested to her, she became obsessed with that thinking. That means you think about it all the time. Then in the vision, I saw the woman become as transparent as glass, and I saw a black dot in her mind. That dot represents the fact that she is obsessed in her thinking with this evil spirit, the Lord said. At first, she was oppressed on the outside. But she has allowed the devil's suggestion to take hold of her thoughts and her mind has become obsessed. It was out here. But now she's let it in here. Because she's decided she wants to believe it. She wants to think about it. Now, let me just stop here and talk about this a little bit more. When Jesus was about to go to the cross and he told his disciples that he was going to be mocked and spit on and crucified, Peter took him aside and rebuked him and said, this shall not be to you. And if you read the margin of it, it says the Greek literally says, pity yourself. Everybody say, pity yourself. And that's when you see one of the strongest reactions out of Jesus in the whole word of God. He wheels around and he yells, get behind me, Satan. You don't savor the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Why? Because he could not let himself think, I don't deserve this. I deserve better. And you and I need to be prepared in that same vein, anything that comes to you and tries to suggest to you, you deserve better. They owe this to you. You shouldn't have to do this. You should have more position. You should have better. You should, you should have, and you get this, this feeling of entitlement and this bitterness with your situation and the people are holding me back and it's the devil. You better shut it down. And if you resist the devil, what will happen? It's the end of the process. He will run away. You will never be obsessed or worse. Never. But what was the problem? She liked thinking about it. That was the problem. She liked to think about it. She wanted to think, I'm a beautiful woman. I could have had wealth and popularity, but I've been robbed in life. She's talking about staying at this little church with this little preacher. I got all this talent. My talent's being wasted. I'm a singer. I'm beautiful. I could be a star. (laughs) Can you hear the devil? He's subtle. He didn't come in the front door. He said, still, it wasn't too late. Even after her mind's obsessed, he's saying it's not too late. She could have resisted. 
She could have refused to think those thoughts. Then the evil spirit would have fled from her and she would have remained free. But she chose otherwise. Finally, she left her husband and went out into the world seeking the fame and wealth which the devil offered. She took up with one man after another. And after a time, that thing got down into her spirit. In the vision, I saw the black dot move from her head to her heart. And then the woman said, I don't want the Lord anymore. Leave me alone. See, the master's teaching him and us through him how the enemy works, how these things happen. I said, Lord, it's Brother Hagin now talking. He said, why are you showing this to me? Do you want me to pray for this woman? Do you want me to cast the devil out of her? No, I don't want you to pray and cast the devil out of her, the Lord answered, because you couldn't anyway. She wants that spirit, and as long as she wants it, she can have it. Then why did you show this to me, Lord? He said, I've shown this to you for two reasons. First of all, so you can see how an evil spirit will get a hold of a person, even a child of God, if they'll let him. Second, I want you to deal with the evil spirit that's operating through that woman and harassing and intimidating the ministry of her former husband. She hadn't just left him, but she was causing him problems. And causing problems at the church. And the Lord was showing him. No you can't deliver her against her will. But you can shut that thing down. From hurting this church. And that's a whole other message. How many think we got a lot to learn? We do. We do. And so he went on to say. He said Lord what will happen to her? I asked. She will spend eternity. In the regions of the damned. For there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, he answered. And in the vision, I saw her go down into the pit of hell, and I heard her awful screams. Now, this is what many will not believe. They won't accept this. Because they have a perversion of grace. But is it true or not? Don't take my word for it. Don't take this. Put your nose in the book. Search the scriptures diligently. How many think this is worth knowing and getting straight and getting right? I said, Lord, this woman was your child. She was filled with your spirit. She had part in the ministry. And yet you say, not pray for her? I cannot understand it. And the Lord reminded me of the following scripture. And this is 1 John 5, 16. Put it up on the screen for us. He said, if any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he will ask, and he'll give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. So is there scripture for what we just heard here? Him telling him not to pray about it. I said, Lord, I've always believed that that sin referred to in the scripture was physical death, and that the person is saved, although they've sinned. The Lord said that scripture doesn't say physical death. You're adding something to it. If you read the entire fifth chapter, you'll see he's talking about life and death, spiritual life and spiritual death, and this is spiritual death. And if you look at 1 John 5, 11 through 13, he's talking about spiritual. This refers to a believer who can sin a sin unto death. Now let me warn you about this. Don't let anybody tell you that New Testament epistle passages don't apply to you, the church, today. That's right. That's right. They do. Don't let anybody deceive you in this. Right. He said, I told you not to pray for the woman because she sinned to sin unto death. Brother Hagin said, this really disrupts my theology, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Would you explain some more? I asked. He said, sometimes we need our theology disrupted if it's not in line with the word. And Jesus reminded me of the following scripture. And I want you to turn to this one right now. Hebrews 6. Go to Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6 and verse 1. Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. This is what we were talking about earlier. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of. What is the first foundational doctrine of Christ he mentions? Repentance. Repentance From dead works and faith toward God. Everybody say repentance Repentance. and faith. faith. 
These are the first two fundamental doctrines of Christ he mentions in the list. How many think it doesn't get any more important than this? Well, how do you get your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? How do you stay out of this awful place we're talking about? Repentance and faith in God. Verse 2, of doctrine of baptisms. Now, there's a baptism into the body of Christ. There's baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's water baptism. There's a plurality. And of laying on of hands. There's laying on of hands to be filled with the Spirit, to be healed, to be ordained. It's one of the foundational doctrines of Christ. And a lot of churches never practice it at all. But it's still true and right. And, well, let's see, that's just an example. Just like folks have changed that doctrine, they've changed the one about eternal judgment, too. Folks have modified these to fit, well, <laughs> to scratch the ear. And of resurrection of the dead, is there going to be a resurrection? Yes. Hallelujah. And of eternal judgment. Is that just as true as resurrection? Yes. It is. Now keep going. This will we do if God permit. Keep going. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened... And have tasted of the heavenly gift. And were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. He's giving a very specific list now. Keep going. And have tasted the good word of God. And the powers of the world to come. If they fall away. You got to go back to the previous verse. It's impossible to do what? To renew them. Verse 6. It's impossible to renew them again to repentance. What's the problem? You can't get them to repent. When you're talking about a sin unto death, this is how you can identify it. There's people in the mental institution today banging their head against the wall because they believe they've committed the quote unpardonable sin and they don't even have a clue what that might be. The devil's just lied to them and deceived them. And I'm lost. I might as well just live anyway because it don't matter anyway. And they're just confused and believing lies. No, it's very, very simple. You, anybody else? I don't know if I've gone too far. Real simple. Do you want to be right with God? (laughs) Are you willing to repent and believe him? Then you have not committed a sin unto death. If you had, what would be the indicator of it? Well, that's what he's talking about. What happened to this woman? Let's back up and look at it again because I won't go through all the detail here, but he tells how that this woman, every one of these applied to her. She had been enlightened. Back up, what was it, verse 4? Go through these again. She had been enlightened to her need, her lost state, and her need of Jesus. And then secondly, she tasted of the heavenly gift. That's Jesus. He is the heavenly gift. And they were made partakers of the Holy Spirit. That's being filled with the Spirit. Right? And what else? Tasted the good word of God. See, this is going beyond the milk of the word. So this is not just a baby, baby Christian. There's a certain amount of maturity here. And five, and it tasted of the good word and tasted of the powers of the world to come. That's the gifts of the spirit. The powers of the world to come. And this woman was all five of those. Now, uh, he went on to say, that uh, this passage we just got through reading and Hebrews 10 26 look at it if we sin willfully after we've received knowledge of the truth there remains no more sacrifice for sins having received Jesus if you have to reject him what else is there to be saved by to be saved with there is no other name under heaven right? right Whereby we must be saved. Verse 27. But just a certain. Certain means it's going to happen. Fearful looking for of judgment. And fiery indignation. That shall devour the adversaries. And the awful thing is. That that place wasn't even made for human beings. It's made for the devil. I asked the Lord some years ago about this. Because I heard some people mocking it. That didn't believe. They said. And this God who's supposed to be love. 
is going to send people to an eternal place that burns with fire? What kind of God is that? And so I asked the Lord personally. I don't mean I heard a voice, but he spoke to my heart. I said, Lord, what do we say about this? How can a God who is love send people to a devil's hell? He, he, I knew it was him. I didn't hear a voice, but distinctly inside me, he said, Keith, it's not my choice. No, no, God's not sending people to hell. It's not his will that any should perish. True or not? But he's not going to make people believe him and receive him. And if you don't want him and you don't want to be with him, there's just one other place to go. And it wasn't made for you, but that's where you go. Keep reading. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy, who's trodden underfoot the Son of God and counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace, which is what that woman did. She's not ignorant. She knows the truth. She's experienced the fellowship of the Lord. She's experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. She knows the truth and reality of God. And then later on she says, ah, this God stuff is nothing. That's like saying the blood of Jesus is nothing. Well, how else can she be saved and washed? She's rejected the only thing that could cleanse her and could restore her. The Lord said to him, because of great persecution, the Hebrew Christians referred to in this passage were tempted to go back to Judaism. But if they went back, they would have trodden underfoot the Son of God. They would have counted the blood of the covenant, an unholy thing. They would be saying, Jesus is not the Messiah. He's not the Son of God and turning their backs on me. And that's why Paul warned them if they did that, it would be impossible to renew them unto repentance. You couldn't, after that, you can't get them to repent. And that's why they'd be lost. Not that God wouldn't forgive them, is that they won't repent. Can you see this, saints? Yes. Let me read the rest of it. I'm almost done. It is sad, Jesus said, that this woman left her husband for another man. But adultery is not the unpardonable sin. If she had turned back to me, in repentance, even though she might have had a hundred men, I would have forgiven her. You believe that? Whatever she might have done, if she had asked me to forgive her, I would have. Do you believe that, saints? Mister, you don't believe in once saved, always saved? I believe you can be saved as long as you want to be. (laughs) As long as you will believe. As long as you're willing to repent. But you don't lose your will. And if you decide you want to throw it all away and say there's nothing to it, well, no, you, it's possible for a Christian to wind up lost. Listen to this. He goes further. If, this is Jesus talking, he said, even if she had been a baby Christian when she said, I don't want Jesus anymore, leave me alone, and didn't actually realize what she was doing, I would have forgiven her. You believe that, saints? If she had done that because she was tempted and pressed beyond measure, I would have forgiven her. But she knew exactly what she was saying. And she acted willfully when she said, I don't want him anymore. Therefore, I tell you not to pray for her. I merely showed you this so that you might see how the devil can get a hold of Christians if they will permit him to. Go with me, please, to 1 John in closing. In the midst of these sobering truths, here is a shouting verse. (laughs) Would you like to hear it? (laughs) 1 John 4 and 15. (laughs) I'm not going there. I am not. I ain't going. I'm not going to that place of torment. Are you? I'm never going to quit believing in him. I'm never going to, how about you? Come on, I'm never going to say there's nothing to God, nothing to Him. I'm holding on to Him, and I'm not going to that place of torment. How about you? I'm, I'm not going. 1 John 4, 14. 
We've seen and do testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And He is and He's my Jesus. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. God dwells in Him and He in God. Come on, is that you? I want to hear you say it. I want to hear you say Not one voice quiet this morning. Say it out loud. I confess. I confess Jesus, Jesus is, Lord is Lord and my Lord, my Lord and Savior. And Savior. <laughs> yes, I do. Don't care who sees it, who knows it. And he said, whoever will do that in faith. Meaning in your heart, God dwells in him. Does God dwell in you? Woo. God dwells in him. And he in God. And verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. He that dwells in love dwells in God. And God in him. You got God in you. You got love in you. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Now listen to this next part. That we, those of us that believe in him and confess him, we may have boldness. When? Where? In the day of judgment. In the day that the heaven and earth flees from the face of him that sits on the throne, you and I, not even afraid? You and I, confident when we see all this coming down and all these things beginning to happen and the dead that have ever lived out of the sea, out of hell, the devil, all of these things going on and you and I standing there going, I know what's happening to me. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. Because as he is. Is Jesus righteous? Is he accepted of the father? He's certainly saved. As he is. So are we. And we're that way right now. In this world. Because he's in us. We're in him. We're made his righteousness and we are accepted in the beloved and our names in the Lamb's book of life. Come on. And the second death has no power over us and we have no part in the lake of fire. We shall rule and reign with him forever and ever and ever. Stand up and shout somebody. Stand up and give God praise. Oh Lord we praise you. Oh, Lord, we give you the glory. Oh, we give you the thanks. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. Oh, thank you. Come on, lift up your hands. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries, and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.